1: Welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, and this is the podcast specifically for civil engineers who want to succeed. In today's episode, I talk with Chris Knudsen. Now, you've heard Chris before because he's hosted several episodes of this podcast, but in this episode, I talk with Chris about making transitions in your civil engineering career and also about the confidence, building the confidence behind making these types of transitions. And this came about because Chris served in the military for a large part of his career. And recently he transitioned out. Initially he transitioned out, but he still had a public service position. And recently he went into the private sector. So it was a very big transition for him. And he's made so many transitions through his career and through his life because he's moved around so much serving in the military. So I knew he was a perfect person to talk about this since this month we're kind of talking about building confidence as a theme in our online community and the webinar that we're going to have at the end of the month. And so I wanted to talk to Chris about this. And he did a really good job breaking this down into a couple of different phases. When you go through a transition, phase one being more research and planning oriented, and then phase two, this idea of continuous learning and improving your skills, which was really interesting hearing Chris talk about that for someone who's so accomplished in their career. In fact, he gave a very specific example of something he's doing right now. So I think you'll get a lot out of this episode. And then In lieu of a CE Hot Seat segment, because we've already been down that road with Chris, at the end of the show, I'm going to tell you about some really exciting news for our company, some big changes that are coming that are definitely going to have an effect on you and what we're able to provide to you. So I'm really excited about sharing that with you at the end of the episode. So before I get into the interview with Chris, I want to take a moment to recognize our sponsor for today's episode, PPI. Please listen up later on in this podcast for my advice on how to advance your career in 2018. I'll be sharing info on where to find practical tips and time-tested resources for your civil engineering licensure exam, including an exclusive 20% discount thanks to PPI that's available only to listeners of this podcast. So don't miss that. All right, so now I want to jump right into it. I want to introduce our guest for today's civil engineering conversation who I'm sure you've already know or heard of if you're a listener of the podcast regularly. Christian Knutson, PEPMP, is a practicing civil engineer and program manager and an author and podcast host. Chris is a retired field-grade U.S. Air Force civil engineer officer with over two decades of active duty service leading engineering organizations and multi-million dollar programs around the globe. And most recently, he's branched into environmental security and protection work with the government And then even more recently than that, he's gotten into the private sector, into program management on billion-dollar programs. And that's what he talks a little bit about in this episode. It's exciting stuff. It really is. And I was really happy to be able to catch up with him and bring you some of this information. All right. So with that, let's jump into today's civil engineering conversation.
0: Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast.
1: All right. Now it's time for this week's civil engineering conversation of the week. And I'm happy to have with me Chris Knutson. Chris has been a fellow co-host of the show for a while. He's been busy lately doing some real engineering work, so he hasn't been doing as many podcasts, but I'm thrilled to have him come back on today and talk a little bit about kind of transitions in your career, the confidence around them, the mindset about them. Chris, how you doing? I'm
2: doing great, Anthony. How about yourself?
1: Doing great, except for the cold spell we've had here in the Northeast. <laughs> but uh,
2: other than that, I'm doing okay. It'll warm up next summer.
1: Yeah, that's right. Exactly. But Chris has had an extensive career as a civil engineer. He spent over two decades in the Air Force as a civil engineer officer. And Chris has been relocated a lot. He's been deployed. He's made international moves. And as of recently, he had another big transition in his life, which was moving from government work into the private sector, where he now works as civil engineer and program manager. And I just wanted to have a conversation with Chris, because I do think personally that one place that I think we can all improve as professionals, as people is in transitions, because I think we go through transitions in life every day, every week, every month. And I think there's a lot of room for improvement and the way that you handle these transitions can have a major impact on your life. So I don't know, Chris, why don't you just kind of kick it off a little bit and tell people about kind of some of the transitions that you've had to deal with and how you started. I mean, you've become so good at doing this just knowing you.
2: Yeah, I, think, I appreciate that. Like you highlighted, I think my—I um, don't think—I know for a fact that my ability to be able to, you know, be a chameleon and kind of move between different opportunities and different uh, situations, different people I'm um, working with, uh, different jobs, essentially came from that career in the military. I mean, we were—I guess the couple ways of looking at it, I either couldn't keep a job or I was able to get myself in the new jobs literally like every two years. And so over that two decade career in the military, I was moving, like I said, every two years, a couple of times, maybe I had a three year stint. But even with those three year stints I had in the military, you get what's called deployments where you you would go away for six months to a year, you know, somewhere back back when I was in, it was Iraq or Afghanistan. But basically what it meant is that you weren't going to be in a position, you weren't going to be in a job for more than a year, 12 months, 24 months, something like that. So you quickly had to learn to be able to get spun up. The issues you were, that you had to deal with that were within your job description, as well as be able to maintain your professional acumen, maintain your professional relationships, and then be very astute at change leadership. Being able to really quickly go from not having any understanding or any, any situational awareness about the new position you were going to be in to, hey, you've been in the job for a week, you're now the expert. Of course, there's some skills along that that have to go along with that. It took, you know, several transitions, several moves to kind of build those up. And uh, I suspect that probably your next question is going to be, well, hey, Chris, what are those skills?
1: Yeah, for sure. But even before we get there, Chris, I think that this idea of transitioning is so applicable in the civil engineering world because not everyone, of course, maybe is in the military like Chris was and is going through these relocations or deployments or whatever the case may be. But in civil engineering, I mean, you really do work on a project to project basis for the most part. You could be working on a bridge, whether it's a small bridge or a large bridge for a year or two years or three years. And then all of a sudden a project's done, it's open. And now all of a sudden you're completely shifting onto a new project, new clients, new managers. That's one form of transition that I see all the time. Another form of transition is if you are going to take another job or if you are going to take another position in your firm or relocate. So there's lots of different ways that you can deal with transitions. And Certainly is some strategy and confidence around uh, having to deal with them. And yeah, Chris, let's dive into that a little bit, some of the skills and some of the strategic approaches that you need to take with these transitions.
2: You kind of pull the important string there. You're right. You know, so not everybody's got that experience of being in the military and having to, you know, develop these skills over a career, even over 10 years or something like that. You're thrust into this. Like you said, you're moving from project to project. Maybe it's an 18 month project. Maybe it's even shorter than that, depending on the project team that you happen to be in. So there's some skills that are what I would call kind of core skills that are focused on how do you, as an individual and as a professional, move between each of these projects. But then there's some strategic skills, which are how do you position yourself to go from to keep going in upward bending uh, vector through your career? You don't want to make maybe lateral moves, you know, over years and years. You want to be kind of going up in uh, responsibility, up in, in your role, so on and so forth. So. Some of that comes down to what you and I both have talked about a lot, either through our writing or some of the podcasting that we've done, which is establishing goals and where do you want to be, your vision, where are you trying to get to, and making sure that you have a really good understanding of what is it that you want to be doing. So you know, for myself, for instance, I really enjoy and I'm really focused on wanting to be in a, in a situation where I can be involved at the program level project level is interesting, but I've, I've moved to the point now where program level of trying to be able to figure out how to combine numerous different projects and basically develop those is where I want to be. So for myself, that's my vision. Uh, I want to be in that program management role. For those of you that are listening, it may be something at the project level. You just, you need to get that goal, identify where it is that you want to be your vision. And then as you move between projects, you want to be looking at maybe opportunities within your firm where there may be projects that you know that are coming up where you can get yourself assigned or you can get yourself a part of that project. And then if you're in a firm that maybe doesn't have those opportunities, well, that's where you're developing and you're doing that networking to be able to start identifying what are other opportunities, perhaps in other firms, where you may be able to get yourself onto that upward momentum, you know, that upward vector position for other projects. So it's kind of a two-stage strategic uh, effort here. One of what's my vision? What are the things that bring me enjoyment in my career? Where do I want professionally want to be in 5 or 10 years? And then the second part is is how am I going to get there? What are the projects that I'm going to need to be a part of? Can I do that within the firm that I'm per- currently in? Or do I need to start making sure that I've got a good network so that I can if I need to make a move, I can do that at the right time and I can keep myself going upwards.
1: Chris, the other thing Kind of along those lines that always I tend to think about when it comes to transitions or big moves in your career. Because one of the things we're talking about kind of this month is building confidence. And I think that whenever there's an opportunity or, yeah, I guess an opportunity for failure, right? Or a risk, I guess I could say a better word than failure, there's risk associated with the decision. How can you build your confidence or get yourself in a mindset to say, I'm willing to take this risk? Whether it's going for a new job, whether it's relocating from one office to an office that's international for the first time and maybe trying that out. How can you work on your mindset around that?
2: Yeah, so I think so. some of it, I, I think a lot of it, I was going to say some of it, but I think a lot of it maybe comes down to where the risk level is, is, is the financial aspect of it. There's no sense in in kind of skirting that piece of it of trying to skirt around the, the issue of, you know, being able to get yourself aligned correctly on a financial aspect. So if that means you need to have a war chest uh, kind of built up to be able to make that move or that transition so that you've got two, three, four, five, whatever month period of month cushion that you need to have financially to be able to make that shift and you do that. I would say that in order to mitigate that risk, you have to have accomplished really good due diligence on the move that you're looking to try to do, that transition that you're trying to make. So if you just look at it and go, hey, that looks pretty awesome. I'm going to jump into it. I'm going to pitch the firm that I'm in. I'm getting paid. Life is good. I am getting, you know, they are supporting me. But you know what? I want to go after that thing because it looks really cool. That's what I want to be doing. And you haven't done your due diligence on what the contract terms are or what that's gonna look like in that other firm. Is it a good cultural fit for who you are and what they're doing? And then you make that shift over and all of a sudden you find out that, hey, guess what? The grass isn't greener on the other side of the fence. You didn't do your due diligence and so you've increased the risk and you've taken it all on yourself. So I think, Anthony, the first thing is, is do your homework. Get very clear with yourself on what it is, what your vision is and what your goals are professionally. And then spend some time thinking about that financial nest egg piece of it, making sure that you've got the financial resources to be able to support you for a downtime, or perhaps you've got X number of months where you don't have that income. If you want to look at a PERT diagram, that's the worst case. Best case is that you make a transition right away and you've got a job. So let's be honest, as engineers, we always have, if we're doing PERT, we're having the worst case, best case, and then there's a most likely case. So what is that most likely case? There's going to be a, a period where you're going to have a little bit of a dip, and then it's going to go back up unless you again you've done your due diligence and you really understand hey this is my vision these are my goals I have established myself through my network and through communications that this is the next project that I want to go on to use hypothetical example it's a real example but I'm not going to certainly change I'm not going to share names or anything else like that I know of a colleague of mine who was working with a company company X in a great project opportunity arose and because he had a really good network, he was approached by an individual who was looking to get talent for that new project, reached out to him and said, Hey, we've got this great opportunity. It's a up to five year project. This is your rules and responsibilities that you have. He looked at it and said, hey, that's great. That's exactly in line with where I want to be because I'm and I'm not there right now and I probably won't be with the company that I'm in. Did the due diligence took a little bit of a risk, right? In saying that, hey, yeah, I'll join on with you, leaving the company that he was in, which again he was being well compensated and, and uh, had a good position. But because it was a project that was in line with his goals, his vision, he made that decision to make that step into that new position, and, and is you know and is doing great things in that in that new position. But the bottom line is, is, for what was successful for him, is he knew where he wanted to be, he knew what his goals were. He did have that safety net, but he also did his due diligence before he made that jump. Because I asked him those questions and said, "Hey, man, what led you to want to actually take that step?" It really had to do with personal relationships that he had and the trust level that he had with where he was going to. But it also had to do with the fact that it was very much aligned where he where he wanted to be professionally and knew that the company that was going to be bringing him on was a very stable company and was going to be able to provide those opportunities. So I guess to the, the sum all that up. Anthony, it's have the vision, know what your goals are that you're trying to accomplish, do your due diligence, and then make sure that you've got that financial safety net that you've established so that you've got the ability to be able to financially weather, but perhaps a lapse, that lapse rate between paychecks, the best position to be in is that you've done your due diligence and your network is in place that you don't have any lapse in that income that's going into the bank account.
1: Yeah. I mean, great points. And I think one of the points there that I just want to focus on for a minute is the financial piece of it, because I agree with you, Chris, That's kind of one of the big elephants in the room when you talk about taking a risk is, especially if you have a family or supporting a family, like you can't just take, now you're putting everyone in your family at risk and the finances are a big part of that. And I've done some research on this myself too, and some reading on this. And it's interesting, I in some of the stuff that I've read, it's kind of like this is something that you need to plan for all the time, right? Because you never know. You don't know when all these transitions are coming. Like in your case, I'm sure some of the times you knew you had a transition, some of the times you didn't. Same things has happened to me before. And what I've read is that like people that are really successful and that have had great business careers or professional careers, especially in the business world, it's like they had that money to spend or they had that finance, that runway, I guess you could say. And when the right opportunity came, they were able to jump on it because they had planned ahead and said save some money and had thought some of this stuff through. So if you're listening, you may be in a job right now and you may be going great and you might be like, I don't really need to listen too much about this transitional stuff because I'm not planning on going through any transitions and a multitude of things can happen. So what I would say to you kind of along the same lines as Chris has said is be prepared, Save money cut and dry so that you have some money and some financial resources to take a risk because you never know when the right opportunity might come up in your career and a company may approach you. It could even be your own company and say, listen, we've got a great job over in the Middle East and we want to send you there. But of course, like there could be risks involved. There could be, it may not work out, and then you may lose your spot here, whatever the case may be. And for you to be able to take that, you've got to have confidence to take it. So you've got to have confidence in yourself, but then you've got to have the supporting structures around you the finance, the family, the goals saying that, yeah, this is what I really want. So I'm going to go do it. I think a lot of those things definitely apply. Now, getting back to your situation, Chris, like you said, you've been through a lot of different transitions in the military, but then you came out of the military, you did some more government work, and then you transition into the private sector where you're doing program management work, maybe you could talk a little bit about that transition for you and some of the things that like went through your mind and how you, if you had to really do a lot of prep for it.
2: Anthony, I really, quite frankly, didn't have to do a whole too much prep on make the second transition from government service over to private sector. But the reason I didn't is because I had done, I guess, the preparatory work beforehand, which was again, The network development, making sure that I had that I had that network in place and even before that, it was not that I'm really not trying to beat a drum here, but, you know, I had a vision for myself of what I wanted to be doing, where I wanted to be. And I had some goals, but I will honestly say that they were set in rubber as opposed to set in stone, meaning that I would a lot they could flux as long as I could get to the vision of where I wanted to be, which was, again, where I quite frankly, where I'm at right now in this program management role. As long as I was generally in a left to right, let's say left to right parameter uh, setting, saying that I was doing somewhere, something in the realm of architectural engineering, construction, something having to do with the management of projects or programs, then I was okay. But the ideal, the vision was that I wanted to be where I'm at right now today. And so knowing that it was, okay, what do I need to do to make sure that I get myself positioned right, you know, correctly so that I'm ready to go when I need to be. So you know, we kind of beat on this, you know, the second drum, which has to do with regards to the finance piece. Now we get to the second piece of this, which is networking, and putting in place the infrastructure that I need, you know, I need as a professional, and this could be you, you as a professional need to do in order to be prepared for the opportunities that come. So what are those things? Well, those things are skills, okay? So even at my point in my career, there's still opportunities to expand my skill sets, to expand my knowledge, my understandings. And what is that? Well, for me, I want to be a program manager. Maybe I should go after the program management certificate. And that's exactly what I'm doing. As we record this, I'm going to about a week from now, I'm going to be actually sitting for the exam for it. So I'm continuing to look at those aspects of, hey, I'm a continuous learner. I'm continuing to learn, expand my knowledge, my skill set when it comes to where I want to be. The second one is the networking piece, which is something that Anthony You know, you have done an amazing job of helping people to understand the importance of developing a network, not just collecting business cards, but truly developing the the types of relationships, the level of relationships that are needed to be able to provide yourself with opportunities for career, for personal relationships, professional relationships, whatever it may be, developing that network. And if the network didn't exist, and that's quite frankly the situation that I found myself in the last year, then finding out, well, how do I create that network? And something else that you and I have talked about a lot in the past has been involvement in professional organizations. So specifically, I'll kind of share my, a little bit of my story here. You know, I was government service. Things looked like it was, that's where I was going to be, and I was going to be in that situation uh, living over in Germany. But my wife had an opportunity to bring us back over to the United Kingdom. And there were no government service opportunities for me over here. So what do I do? Well, knowing that I only had probably about eight months of a runway before I was going to be stuck in a situation where I was going to be a house husband, I decided, well, hey, I'm going to look for how I can get my name back out there. I already had a network, but it really wasn't something that I was working for because I thought that I had a, a vector that I was kind of working on. I looked at opportunities and I had one that came up it was working for essentially taking on the lead role for a private organization or professional organization regional workshop conference and so I became the conference lead for that that got my name it got me as an individual out in front of a lot of people 300 people tens of different companies And out of that, ended up with several different offers just because of not because all of a sudden, hey, who's this guy? He's a great guy. But it got me noticed and it got me in front of people that I would have had a much harder time getting in front of. That, quite frankly, opened up several different opportunities for me that actually took me from not having a whole lot of opportunities here in the UK to having to make some tough decisions about where I really wanted to put my time and what I wanted to do. So, again, what are the lessons out of that? Well, one is beat the drum here, Anthony. Vision, goals. But the other takeaways goes on that are some of them are flexibility and patience and then volunteerism and service, looking where I can still provide value and open up opportunity. And then being able to be flexible and understanding that, hey, you've got several different opportunities. Which one is the one that's going to be right for you based off of the goals and the uh, vision that you're trying to fulfill?
1: If we're looking at transitions, there's kind of two phases here that you have. The first phase is preparing for a transition. And part of that could be deciding on, quite frankly, on whether or not you want to have a transition, whether it's like taking a new job or relocating. And part of that first phase would be doing your homework, you know, understanding your vision and your goals and how that's going to help you, doing your due diligence, making sure you have financial runway to make it happen, all those things kind of in phase one. And then when you actually are in the transition itself, you kind of get into that phase two, which is now you want to make this thing work and hit the ground running, so to speak. And that's where you can flex, hopefully flex your networking muscles if you've been using them throughout your career to capitalize on. And then the one thing that you said, Chris, which I love is continued learning. It's great to hear someone like you who certainly you're not a rookie in your career, but at the same time, in a week from now, you're sitting for a certificate exam, which I'm sure it speaks to what has made you so successful, but also in general, I think people that are successful in general, they just keep learning, they keep reading, they keep finding new ways to give them an edge or an advantage in what they're doing and to kind of get to that expert level in their field. I think what you've laid out here is a really good one-two punch. I mean, the one thing, the one other thing that I wanted to ask you a little bit about is because I remember specifically having some conversations with you when I think you and your wife were kind of going through the idea of relocating overseas, maybe to Germany or whatnot. I always remember you saying that you used to have like plan A, plan B, plan Z, essentially for all these different types of situations. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that as far as just planning and not necessarily give any specific advice, but just talk about the importance of it, because I know that you're into planning, which I know can is probably, again, what's helped you with some of these transitions.
2: So this actually goes back to some advice and, quite frankly, direction that was given to me when I was a young lieutenant a really long time ago from one of my commanders. He had this, he brought me in, actually brought me in and several of the other young junior officers in and sat us down and said, hey, listen, you need to plan out what your career looks like. And this was you know, the career in the Air Force. And it was a spreadsheet, They'd literally get into Excel spreadsheet. And the idea was to plan out things, different categories of your life. I think actually, I think mine ultimately ended up in a Gantt chart. It was a spreadsheet and it was kind of broken into things like career, family, education, hobbies, basically the big, what I call the big buckets. What are the things that make up you, that make you up? And the idea was, you know, in the military, there's a 15, 20, 30 year career. So the idea that was really kind of drilled into our minds was build out your plan for 20 or 30 years. What was that plan gonna look like? When were you gonna be up for promotion? In the military, it's very, you know, very scripted. There's specific gates when you make, when you're eligible for promotion, when you're eligible for certain ranks, those can all be mapped up. It's a little bit more difficult in, I say private sector, but in the free market, it's a little more difficult to be able to do that. But nonetheless, you can still sit down and look at your life and say, okay, I've got my profession. I've got my family. You know, maybe I've got my church. Maybe I've got my other volunteer activities that I'm doing. Where do I see myself going? I mean, when I'm at the end of this, when, when I hit 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years out, what does that look like? And so that guidance that I got early on in my career helped me build it out. It also helped me understand that any program that you run, which is essentially what your life is, your life's a program made up of multiple projects, is elaborative and it can run a long time meaning that you can plan out the program, but as you move along in it, it's going to change. Things are going to adjust. Outside environmental factors are going to adjust it. New experiences are going to adjust it. You're going to develop new skills, new interests. Maybe somebody new will come into your life and will change the vector that you're on. Those things are going to adjust your long-term plans, but you still maintain that spreadsheet, whatever you're using. And I did that. I did that for, quite frankly, I still do it to this day. I still have that sheet that I continue to elaborate. And in it, I also have now begun to lay in things like my kids' birthdays. And I've got a son who's about a, a little over a year and a half away from graduating from high school. He's going to transition to his next big stage in life. My daughter, you know, she's a middle schooler getting ready in a couple of years to transition to high school. Those things are laid in because those are major family milestones. And you lay those things in so you can understand, well, where do I want to be? And so, for instance, as we've been talking, Anthony, a lot about about the career piece, as soon as you start rolling family in, we factor that in. You know, I can't be, and, and most of us don't want to be in positions where we're looking at, hey, I'm going to be transitioning between my job and my job, you know, every single year when my kid's in high school. I mean, that's... Yeah, and this is coming from a guy who's been in the military, who knows other parents who have been through that, where they've had to move their, you know, move their kids in their senior year in high school. No parent wants to do that. My son had to move in his sophomore year, so he went freshman, sophomore, first in in one high school, and now he's going to be a junior, senior in the next one. You don't necessarily want to do that. Sometimes you have to do that. But those are the kinds of things that you want to lay into that plan. And so if you've got this overall plan, your life plan, you can start to make some decisions about where you want to on-ramp or off-ramp at certain points. And it's obviously a lot easier if you don't have family to consider, and specifically a spouse and children, significant other. How, but those are the kinds of things that you want to be able to roll that and roll into that. And then the professional development piece of it. And as you mentioned, I'm a staunch advocate of continuing to develop yourself. None of us... We're put on the earth, you know, to crank through, get our engineering degree, maybe get our PE, high five somebody and that's it. You're done. We were all put here to do work that work. If we're in the engineering and project career fields and professions is to continuously develop ourselves so that we're ready for the next stage, so that we're ready to give more of our abilities and our skill sets to be able to make society better. So the only way that's going to happen is by continuous learning. And, um, you know, Anthony, I know you and I have both been proponents of that, of continuously putting one's shoulder to the grindstone to develop oneself. So that's the other aspect of that is you want to build into that plan. What's your continuous movement down the field for your professional development, along with making sure your family's taken care of, and then making sure that you've got those professional goals laid in there as well.
1: And I can say, too, just from my own work and whether it's professionally or personally, I've been seeing this a lot lately even more clearly is that when someone has clarity around anything, whether it's a goal that they have, or even if we're working on something at the engineering career coach and working with one of the team members, and I'm asking, I'm telling them, all right, this is what we want to accomplish. This is kind of our outline of what we're going to do for this week. I want you to try to tackle A, B, and C. The productivity level and the engagement level of people when they have clarity is just is so much better than when there's even a little less clarity, which is, is something for Those of you listening that are in your engineering careers and whether it's family related or whether it's with your engineering team, when you can get in front of them, like Chris is saying, and just forget about transitions, just in everyday work and just you have goals. People are so much more engaged and so much more productive when you give them something or when you ask them, even if you're getting their buy-in on it and asking them how to do it, it's amazing, isn't it, Chris?
2: It is, Anthony. I mean, clarity, as you bring it up, it's a beautiful thing you know for yourself you know, conversations we've had when you're clear on something <laughs> i mean it's you know you're rocking and you know i'm the same way when i've got clarity around something get out of the way things are going to be are going to be out of control and rocking and that's what it comes down to is and that, and that, where does that clarity come from it comes from spending some time getting a really good established vision and establishing and laying out what those goals are and having the understanding of what those are and then and then building your plan and moving on from there, and, and quite, you know, Anthony, it's, you know, you and I've, maybe in some of these podcasts, we haven't laid that out, but you and I have had this conversation before around this, is that it's no different than what engineers do in their careers. You have a, <laughs> you hold a charrette, you bring people in, you understand what the requirement is, you develop the requirements document, that goes into an elaborative design, you get a design, and then, and then you go out and you build it. Each of us as engineers, or project managers, or program managers, we've got the skill sets to do that, to take something that doesn't exist and create it. So it shouldn't be any different than what you do with your life.
1: And that's a great place to end actually because it kind of ties everything up. But before we do let Chris go, I just want to thank Chris for coming on. He's really busy right now with his program management work. And while he hasn't been able to specifically host a lot of podcast episodes, he's still been in touch and he still has been helping to provide some of the guests and make some connections. In fact, a couple of our recent engineering career coach episodes, one with uh, Diane Mulcahy, author of The Gig Economy, and one with Croft Edwards, author of Leadership Flow. Chris hooked me up with both of those episodes and they both came out great. So he's still here. He's still working in the background, even though you may not hear his voice as often. But Chris, thanks for coming on today and sharing some information about transitions.
2: Yeah, you bet, Anthony. I miss the audience. I, uh, as I've told Anthony, as soon as I've got some bandwidth and some white space, I'm going to be getting back into it. So uh, glad that you, all of you, are sticking with it. Hope that you guys are all, guys and gals, are getting some great stuff out of this and please continue to listen. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast.
1: Now it's time for our end segment of today's episode. And in today's end segment, I'm going to share some very exciting news about our company and some of the new programs we're putting together for you to help you succeed as a very successful civil engineering manager and leader. But before I do that, I would like to once again recognize our sponsor for today's episode, PPI. Do you want to advance in your career, but not sure where to start? All of us have been there at one point. One surefire way to grow in your profession is to get your civil engineering license. The best place to gather info on civil licensure and pick from multiple review options is ppi 2 PPI has helped over four million engineers pass their licensure exam and become leaders in their fields. Visit ppi to learn how you can start preparing for your exam right away and take one step closer to career advancement. That's PPI the number two pass.com. For a little extra encouragement, I have a 20% off promo code available to listeners of this podcast. Use promo code TCE8 on PPI's website for an exclusive 20% discount. Again, that's promo code TCE8. All right, so before I tell you about the big announcement, I do want to mention one other thing about today's episode in regards to transitioning. Chris actually did a dynamite interview with Dory Clark on episode 87 of the Engineering Career Coach podcast, which focused on transitions in your career, branding, the marketing of yourself. And we will attach that in the show notes of this episode at civilengineeringpodcast.com so that you can utilize that as well. The news that I have for you is exciting. I started the Engineering Career Coach company about five years ago or so now, and it was another company before that. We've been evolving like in anything in life. You continue to evolve. And what we've really been focused on lately is management and leadership training for engineers because it's needed out there, helping you develop those core skills that you need, like communication, building relationships, being productive, and being a leader. I mean, that's what's going to help you and your firm to succeed. We've really gone in that direction. We created the new workshop, the Engineering Management Accelerator, that's been very successful. That's at EngineerToManager.com. We do the online And we're also doing in-person sessions now. First one will be in New Jersey, Central Jersey, April 27th. And then we're going to be in Orlando in May. And we're also looking at Houston and Austin as well for April. So that's exciting. But overall, we're changing the name of our company to the Engineering Management Institute. I'm thrilled about it. I love the new name. I think the Engineering Career Coach is a great name in the podcast. Our podcast, will remain with that name. But a lot of people thought that Engineering Career Coach meant that You would only need our help if you were struggling, and that's not the image that we're trying to portray, and that's not what career and professional development is about. You should constantly be building your managerial skills, your core skills, your soft skills, and that's why our new name, the Engineering Management Institute, I think is a better reflection on what we're doing and how we're helping engineers succeed. So I'm really, really excited about that. It'll officially take hold in late February, actually, Engineers Week. Monday of Engineers Week 2018 is when the name will officially go into place. And along with that, we are going to be launching, kind of revamping our online community, which was previously known as the Engineering Mastermind. It will be known as the Engineering Management Institute, and there'll be professional memberships for individuals, and there'll be corporate memberships for corporations, and we'll provide a monthly skill building session online focused around engineering management, which will have a PDH in most states as a bonus. But you'll also get access to our forum, to our coaches, and you can ask questions and you can work on these skills every day. So I'm really excited about it. And to kick it off, when we do launch the new company name February 19th on Monday, we will be sending out three free videos that week on the three steps that I found that all successful engineering managers have done or most of them have done to get where they are. And the following of that week from Monday, the 26th, we'll launch our membership program. And our first session will be how to build the confidence you need to be a successful engineering manager on February 28th. So I'm excited about all this. If you have questions about it, you can feel free to email me at anthony at EngineeringCareerCoach.com. And I'm just thankful for the support of our listeners, for our readers, our listeners, our subscribers, because it's helped us to grow this. And I'm really, really super excited about this. I'm excited what the future holds for all of us. Please remember you can find the show notes for this episode at civilengineeringpodcast.com, episode 77. You'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during the episode. You can leave a question in the comments section or visit the Ask Us tab on the website. We monitor all comments and will respond if you leave us one. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your civil engineering career endeavors.